Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 25 years. I'm a life coach, fantasy author, and engineer. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. Hi, I'm Jesse Tugney, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 10 years now. I'm currently a student at Montana State and learning more and more about how our world works. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, feature members of the type 1 community who are just like you, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 140 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today I'm doing another solo episode, this time talking about the circumstances of type 1 diabetes, what makes them circumstances, and why it's good news that those circumstances by themselves don't actually impact your emotions. My win this week is that I successfully handled a well-intentioned but ultimately unnecessary and unwanted autobolus five minutes before arriving at the trailhead for a hike that I had, until that point, had an ideal blood sugar for. (laughs) I turned off all my insulin, kept an eye on my T-Connect app, I paused when I needed to, and I corrected with Smarties when I thought the descent was too much. And by descent, I mean the downward slope of my blood sugar. I actually captured the whole saga on my Instagram stories, and you can go back through my hiking highlights to watch what happened. While it was a tech fail, It was the first hike of 2022 where I really felt on top of my blood sugars, despite a circumstance that I didn't ask for, didn't want, and didn't really need. So pretty much on topic for this episode. My fail is that a couple days after that hike, uh, my blood sugars went high for apparently no no good reason, and were pretty stubborn in coming down. It certainly shows how mercurial it is and how we literally can't expect the same thing day after day with this condition. And my hack this week is if you're wearing the Dexcom with the Tandem T-Slim X2 pump, I definitely recommend trying to get the T-Connect app on your phone. While it can't follow your numbers with anyone like the Dexcom G6 app can, it does let you see every basal rate change, your settings, onboard insulin, trend arrows, and the last 24 hours of readings right on your cell phone. It might take some finagling to get it to work because it's connecting directly with your Dexcom transmitter from your... Oh, wait, no, it's not. It's it's connecting with the pump via Bluetooth, whereas the Dexcom G6 app will connect with your transmitter itself. The T-Connect connects to the, uh, the pump. Once you do get it to work, it's pretty cool. Plus, the FDA recently approved the app to make dosing decisions, which is awesome. So they're rolling out that feature slowly among users. Circumstances. First, I want to define what are circumstances. Put simply, they're facts. Things that everyone would agree on in court. They can include past events. It's exact words other people have said. Exact behavior other people have engaged in. It's it's exact words you have said. Exact things you have done. And it also includes diagnoses. What is really important with phrasing circumstances when you're talking about them is to strip all of the emotional words out. So you can't describe a circumstance by saying something like, 
that man is angry or the angry person said this thing, you would have to say person said words or however you want to say it that's factual as possible without attributing any kind of emotional word to it or anything that makes that have more meaning than literally just the facts. Now, I mentioned diagnoses are circumstances. That's because it's a doctor, like a doctor has diagnosed you with something. And that is like the very first on the list of circumstances of diabetes is the diagnosis itself. It also includes the diagnosis date. So what day were you diagnosed? How long have you had it? Other diabetes circumstances include the number on your blood sugar meter, the number on your CGM. It could be how old your infusion site is, like how many days has it been in? What time on what day did you insert it? It could be the same thing for your sensor site. What day did you put it in? How long has it been in? When was the last calibration? What was the last reading on it? What was the trend graph from the last 24 hours? So those can all be circumstances. It could also be the manufacturer of your insulin pump, manufacturer of your CGM, your other tech. It's a fact to say that I wear a Dexcom G6 with the Tandem T-Slim X2 insulin pump. Those are circumstances. Your A1C is also a circumstance. It's a medical test that provides a number that is used in your doctor's charting. It is a circumstance. My A1C I think the last one was 5.4%. That is a circumstance. It could also be your time and range. On my T-Connect app, I can see my time and range displayed as a percentage of how often I am between the lines. Now for the Dexcom, it reads my blood sugar every five minutes, which means in a single 24-hour day, it has 288 points of data. Now, that also means from a math perspective that every three points-ish is a percent. So I have to look at the whole graph overall the last 24 hours and the time and range to make some determinations about stuff, but those are circumstances. Other diagnoses can be circumstances as well. So if you don't just have diabetes, if you have uh, PCOS, if you have celiac disease, if you have... Huntington's disease, like anything, any other medical diagnosis that a doctor would have to diagnose you with is a circumstance. Your insulin and your insulin type, your insulin doses, if you're on long-lasting versus short-lasting versus super rapid-acting, those are all circumstances. What your doctor has said is a circumstance. Your weight is a circumstance. And for plenty of people, weight can be a pretty triggering circumstance. Other things include what you ate yesterday, what you ate today, what is on your plan for eating today versus what you actually ate today. Those are all circumstances. So many things are circumstances. And probably one of the biggest lists of circumstances in diabetes that I've seen is the list of 42 factors that affect blood glucose. And this is from Diatribe. It was put together by Adam Brown who I interviewed way back in episode 55. You can go listen to that with him. It was uh, the bright spots of diabetes. But he put together this really awesome chart, and they have a PDF on their website that you can go download from uh, the link in the show notes. It breaks down these 42 factors that affect blood glucose into one, two, three, four, five, six different containers, basically. 
There's food, medication, activity, biological, environmental, and finally, behavior and decisions. So all of these 42 circumstances, 42 factors fit into these buckets. Underneath food, carbohydrate quantity, carbohydrate type, is it simple, complex, etc.? How much fat did you eat? How much protein did you eat? Caffeine, alcohol, meal timing, which is basically when you last ate, dehydration, and also your personal microbiome. These are all circumstances or factors within the food group that affect your blood sugar. Under medication, there's dosing, timing, medication interactions. So if you're taking other medications, how do those specific medications interact with your blood sugar? There's some that send your BG high. There are some that send your BG low. There's also steroid administration and vitamin B3. These all affect your blood glucose. Under activity, there is light exercise. So that could be the type of exercise that you're doing listed as a circumstance, like 10 minutes of walking at X miles per hour. That would be a circumstance for this. High intensity and moderate exercise would be another one. So going swimming for 20 minutes and you did a 400 meter lap in like five minutes. I don't know. I'm making that up. It could also include your level of fitness and your level of training. So how often you do it, what's your usual intensity, time of day also is, applies to activity. And then food and insulin timing all affect your blood sugar with regards to activity. Those are all circumstances. Under biological, the first one is sleep quality. Now, I use the Aura ring to track my sleep. And <laughs> as my doctor says, it is my little snitch. It will show my sleep patterns on, my, on the Aura app. And I can definitely see the impact on my blood sugars when I do not have a good night's sleep. So that is a really easy way to just track sleep, sleep quality is using a fitness tracker or something like the Aura Ring. Stress and illness can also impact your blood sugar. And we've talked about cortisol before. Episode 61 with my endocrinologist talks that we talked a lot about cortisol and the different hormones that all affect blood sugar. And you can measure cortisol levels and stuff like that. Those are all circumstances. Another biological factor for blood glucose is your overnight or during sleep blood glucose numbers. There's also a dawn phenomenon, which most of us are probably familiar with. And uh, if you haven't heard of dawn phenomenon, that's just when your blood sugar rises for no apparent reason in the morning. And it has to do with a bunch of different biological functions that pretty much make your blood sugar just go up. And I think we did a, either an episode or a segment on Dawn Phenomenon, but I can't remember off the top of my head where it was. Another one for biological factors are infusion set issues. So this could be a bent or a kinked cannula. It could be that you insert it into scar tissue, or maybe you just have a bad absorption site. Jessie has talked about how one of her thighs does not work as well as the other thigh for insulin absorption. So those are all circumstances. You know, you might not know it's a circumstance until after you've pulled the, the site out and see the kinked cannula and you're already experiencing those physical symptoms of high blood sugar from it. But this just is just another example of circumstances that have happened that now we get to respond to. Another biological factor is scar tissue. 
intramuscular insulin delivery. So when you inject insulin right into the muscle, it works faster. <laughs> uh, so be on the lookout for that. Allergies. A higher blood glucose level can also impact future numbers. Periods, puberty, celiac disease, smoking, these are all biological factors that affect your blood sugar, and they're all circumstances. Environmental factors include expired insulin. So if you have ever left a bottle of insulin in your truck overnight like Jesse did and it came back yellow, which is not supposed to happen, then don't use it. But the older the insulin is, the less effective it is. But it's not like a hard and fast rule that exactly at three months you have to throw away a bottle of insulin if you haven't, or maybe it's a month, like exactly 28 days, you don't have to throw away the bottle of insulin. It's just the effectiveness or efficacy might be lowered by then. I've told a story before where I used up the last of a two-year, I think it was a two-plus-year-old bottle of insulin that had been in a temperature-controlled environment for those two years, and it was maybe a third less effective. But it's, it still worked. I just had to take more of it. Other environmental factors include inaccurate blood glucose readings. So if you test your blood sugar on a meter and maybe you had a little bit of sugar on your hand, and so it's uh, too high of a reading and you act on it, then you are going to experience a lower blood sugar later than you would have if you had retested with actually making sure your finger's clean. Outside temperature and also water temperature in showers, baths, and hot tubs all affect your blood sugar. Sunburn affects your blood sugar. Altitude affects your blood sugar. And then finally, behavior and decisions. This one includes how often you check your blood sugar, your default options and choices, your decision-making biases, and then family and social pressures. And these are all kind of big groupings of circumstances. It's just you want to make sure when you're thinking about these or writing them down, you are very clear about exactly what is happening or what exactly what has happened. And remember, strip those emotion words out of it. But these are all circumstances. There are plenty more. If I tried to come up with an exhaustive list of diabetes circumstances, then we'd be here for a couple more hours, and neither of us has that kind of time. How type 1 diabetics typically respond to these diabetes circumstances is with resistance, frustration, annoyance, and a whole slew of quote-unquote this-should-be-different reactions. They won't seem fair. You didn't ask for it, but you have this incurable condition that you now need to deal with for 24-7 for the rest of your life. Factual, yeah, but it's ultimately unhelpful. Most people, including type 1 diabetics, make the circumstances of life, the circumstances of diabetes, the reason they feel bad. Blood sugar high or low, frustrated with blood sugar. Ate something you quote-unquote shouldn't have, upset with your mostly dead pancreas. We act as if the circumstances of diabetes are in control of our emotions, on top of being in control of our physical symptoms. A high or a low blood sugar will absolutely control the sensations you feel as symptoms of, of that number. But where we get into trouble is by attributing our emotions, our mental feelings, to that circumstance instead of separating out the physical suffering from the emotional suffering. Circumstances can't control our feelings, and that's a good thing. 
I am capable, and every type 1 diabetic is capable, of experiencing a medically high or medically low blood glucose and not feeling emotionally upset about it. How? Because circumstances can't control our feelings. Remember, I'm separating the physical sensations of physical symptoms of blood sugar from the emotional reactions we have to them. If you've ever looked at your CGM graph and immediately felt rage at the last three hours being high, then you probably think that the high blood sugar is why you're full of rage. But that's not true. And that's the amazing news. Circumstances aren't in control of how we feel. Thoughts are. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, that how we think about diabetes controls how we feel about it and ultimately creates our experience with type 1 diabetes. So in that example of looking at your CGM graph and feeling rage about those three hours of high, there is a thought in between that circumstance of the last three hours on your graph and the rage. And that thing in between is the thought that that shouldn't be happening or something similar. It could be anything really. But if we respond to diabetes circumstances as if they are to blame for how bad we feel day to day, we'll never feel better because we would need to change the circumstance. And you know by now that we can't change the circumstance of a diagnosis like type 1 diabetes. Our power comes from the thoughts that we choose to think about these circumstances. Every thought we have is a choice, even the ones that seem kind of crappy. At an unconscious level, we're thinking them on default, but that's still a choice. And we can even choose to think these crappy thoughts consciously, as long as we're doing it on purpose. Once you realize that you have an actual choice between thinking, A, diabetes sucks and ruined my life, and B, I can figure this out and find the silver linings, you might be surprised of like how much emotional suffering disappears. We want a better way to respond to the diabetes circumstances, and it starts with learning how to decouple those physical symptoms from the emotional suffering. Listen to episode 138 to recognize when you're in a stress cycle. Pay attention to the actual physical sensations of the highs and the lows versus what you're making those numbers mean about you, and choose your thoughts on purpose. Be okay with the emotions you do have. Feeling emotions, there is nothing wrong with it. We just haven't been taught how to feel our emotions. Just because you get upset at a high doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. But it's freedom to know that you can choose whether or not you're upset at a sugar number. I do, all the time. But I don't get caught up in blaming type 1 diabetes for how I feel in those moments. I know it's all about what I'm thinking about it. While we can't change many of the circumstances of diabetes, I truly believe that's okay. I get to choose how I react to those circumstances, and those reactions can actually influence the future diabetes circumstances that I experience. I'll never be free of them all. None of us will. But we don't have to be, because we have the freedom to choose what we want to do with each and every one of those diabetes circumstances. All right, the spotlight this week is on the Dexcom G7. Diatribe posted an article about it in late March, sharing that the G7 is another big step closer to being available for use in Europe. And as we all know, Europe is always slightly ahead of America's FDA, so we'll probably get the G7 several months after it gets out in Europe. This article highlights much of the new features coming out with the G7, but my favorites are these. It's smaller, and therefore can go more places on your body. 
It has a 30-minute warm-up instead of a two-hour warm-up, which is amazing. You won't have to save the transmitter. The whole thing is disposable. And I think this also means that the applicator is going to be much smaller as well, which is going to save a lot of plastic waste. If you've seen those Dexcom G6 applicators, they're huge and they are non-recyclable, which really sucks. Another awesome feature for the G7 is that because it's so small, you can insert it one-handed and it's more accurate. And I already thought the G6 was pretty accurate. So the fact that the G7 is more accurate is awesome. I, for one, am super stoked about the G7 to come out in the US, but we still have some waiting to do. You can read the full article about the Dexcom G7 by visiting the link in the show notes. Now, our question for you guys this week is, what are the diabetes circumstances that you have the hardest times with? And that is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 140. That's the number 140. Apply to be a guest by visiting thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. Now, if you're ready to unravel your diabetes circumstances from the story that you have about them, send me a message. Instagram, DM, or email, it doesn't matter. I can help you with it. I'm on all social media as at inspiredforward, and our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. Our podcast Instagram is at thisistype1pod with the number one. And Jesse is on Instagram at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.